if I can't play for big money, I play for a little money. If I can't play for a little money, I don't get out of bed that day. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Alstrom. If you're going to play one of the most important tennis matches in history, I guess you better do it in Texas. Today we're discussing the world-famous tennis match known as the Battle of the Sexes. But first, what's your favorite ZZ Top lyric? Well, I'll jump right in. There's a great song called Nasty Dogs and Funky Kings. It's on their album Fandango. (laughs) And he said, What in the world can a nasty dog do but try to get next to you? (laughs) I love that song. I just love that song. It's a crazy song. It's not much to it, but it's just some great guitar work. Well, my my favorite song from ZZ Top is the Balinese, but... Uh, it's a little too much, too many lyrics to go into. But another favorite song of mine is a uh, ZZ Top's ode to another Texas, Texas cultural reference. That's their ode to Border Radio, and it's called "Heard It on the X," about the about the border blasters. And the, the first lyrics goes, "Do you remember back in 1966, Country Jesus, Hillbilly Blues? That's where I learned my licks." Nice. Yeah. Um, there's. Too many great ZZ Top lyrics for me to, <laughs> to nail it down to just one. But um, if I had to pick one, um, we'll just assume it's one of the many double entendres that they have in their song. Um, they had the, they have the uh, uncanny ability to make uh, any filthy thing radio friendly. So um, <laughs> there's derive a lot of amusement out of that. So. Uh, is Tube Steak Boogie a radio-friendly song? Hey, why don't you uh, why don't you slip and slide my sleeping bag? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll just, we'll good just go job, back. guys. Good job, ZZ Top. How about Heaven? How about Heaven, Hell, or Houston? That's a good song. <laughs> That's actually a good song. Yeah, because uh, it kind of is somewhere let, in between. Yeah, let's just agree that ZZ Top anytime from 1985. Before that, it's just amazing. And it's really good after 85. But before 85... Sublime. Rocks off. Sublime, indeed. Bobby Riggs was born in 1918 in Los Angeles, California. At a young age, he became a standout tennis player. And by the time he was 20 years old, he was ranked number one in the world and went on to win Wimbledon in 1939. He won three of the Grand Slam events in 1939. He was a master tactician and played tennis exceptionally well, even beyond his retirement in 1951. He was also, on the flip side, a known hustler and gambler, and often bet on his own tennis matches to win, because he was also fairly confident in himself. In his 1949 autobiography, he wrote that he had made $105,000, which would be around $1.8 million today, in 39 by betting on himself to win all three Wimbledon championships, the singles, doubles, and mixed doubles. At the time, betting was illegal in England. According to Riggs, World War II kept him from taking his winnings out of the country, so that in 1946, after the war had ended, he now had an even larger sum waiting for him in England, as it had actually increased in interest just sitting there in the bank. 
Fellow California native Billie Jean King was born in 1943 in Long Beach, California, and was also an and was also a championship tennis player. She was a fantastic all-around athlete, excelling in basketball, baseball, and track. Her brother, Randy Moffitt, was a professional baseball pitcher, and he pitched for the Giants in the 1970s and for one season for the Houston Astros in 1982. In a career for King, in a career that lasted from 1959 to 1983, she racked up an incredible list of accomplishments. Billie Jean King won a record 20 career titles at Wimbledon, six in singles, 10 in women's doubles, and four in mixed doubles. She played on the winning U.S. team for the Federation Cup seven times. By 1972, she was the top-ranked woman tennis player in the world, being only the fifth woman to win the singles titles at all four Grand Slam events, the U.S. Open, Wimbledon, the Australian Open, and the French Open. She also did this in mixed doubles, and she was only one event away from doing it in the and she and she only missed three uh, and she only missed the Grand Slam in doubles because she didn't win the Australian Open. By 1973, Riggs was retired from active competition but remained a tireless self-promoter and constant hustler. He famously said, quote, if I can't play for big money, I play for a little money. If I can't play for a little money, I don't get out of bed that day. He eventually turned his loud mouth to speak out about the inferiority of female tennis. Even retired and at age 55, he claimed he could beat the best women out there. Riggs challenged Billie Jean King, but she declined. Another female tennis star, Margaret Court, who was 30 years old and ranked number one, accepted his challenge. In a nationally broadcasted match by CBS on Mother's Day, May 13, 1973, Riggs descended the steps of the stadium before 5,000 fans and gave Court a Mother's Day flower arrangement. In the match, Riggs quickly showed his tactical prowess and kept Court off balance, quickly winning the match 6-2-6-1. This handy victory landed him on both the cover of Time and Sports Illustrated. Never one to rest on his laurels, Riggs' behavior escalated. He proclaimed everywhere he went, quote, Now I want King Bad. I'll play her on clay, grass, wood, cement, marble, or roller skates. We gotta keep this sex thing going. I'm a woman specialist now. The trash talk continued on talk shows, newscasts, and on ABC's wide world of sports. In the end, in July of 1973, ABC finally made it lucrative enough for King to accept. A new battle of the sexes was set to take place, and the only place <clears throat> a new battle of the sexes was set to occur in the only place big enough to contain it, the eighth wonder of the world, Houston's own Astrodome. ABC would televise the match with a winner take all one hundred thousand dollar purse. Billie Jean King had certain conditions though. This wasn't gonna be just a business as usual match. And win or lose, she was bound and determined to make a statement about the equality of women in the sport. Previously, when King and eight other female tennis players had formed their own tour to protest pay inequality, they took dead aim at the Pacific Southwest Championship in Los Angeles. This tournament paid the male champion eight times more than the female champion. When King and her comrades asked Jack Kramer, the tournament chairman and a legendary tennis player himself, to reduce that pay gap, he refused. ABC initially tapped Kramer to be a commentator for King's match against Riggs, but King told the network that if Kramer was calling the match, she wouldn't be playing in it. She got her way, and ABC replaced Kramer. 
It's a measure of the hype game that Riggs had played that by the time of the match, Vegas oddsmakers had Riggs favored to win at two and a half to one. Riggs had claimed that if he lost to King, he would drive his car off the Pasadena Bridge and into the Pacific. It was also strongly rumored that he placed some major bets on himself to win. Riggs garnered a $50,000 sponsorship to wear a bright yellow sugar daddy jacket, delicious candy, and bragged that he wouldn't even have to take it off for the entire match. The public and the press was simultaneously fascinated and repulsed by the spectacle, but all eyes were on the match. On September 30th, 1973, 30,000 people descended on the Houston Astrodome, and TV sets were fixed on ABC affiliates around the country. The New York Times reported, quote, This wasn't a sports contest. It was a happening out of Clockwork Orange. From anywhere but the $100 courtside seats, Riggs and King looked like a couple of ants playing tennis in a greenhouse. At courtside, where the stars of stage, screen, and gaming rooms sat, you could buy a glass of Henri Marchand New York State Champagne, see Disney on Parade, look at Howard Cosell in a tuxedo, and ogle the cougar dolls, eight lovely young things in sequin tops, white go-go boots, and dangerously tight jumpsuits as they gyrated to the theme song of the evening, Shaft. <laughs> Certainly picturesque. It's a, it paints, <laughs> that New York Times can paint a picture with words. <laughs> Yeah. We'll we'll put a link to that article uh, on the on the page because it is a fantastic article. Oh my it's gosh! Really, uh. it's really they they're it's not fake news. That's for sure. Well, the Astrodome officials laid out a green carpet like a pool table over the Houston Rockets basketball court. This was between the first and second base of the Houston Astros diamond, which I didn't realize the Rockets played basketball in the Astrodome in 1973. So that's pretty amazing. Billie Jean King entered in a Cleopatra costume adorned with feathers and carried upon a litter by four muscled university students from Houston. Now Riggs came in pulled on a rickshaw being drawn by scantily clad models. So they really played up the men versus women kind of deal there, the sexism angle. Kind of seems like Uh, they were, yeah. Yeah, that seems like yeah. this whole thing might have been about at the time. Little yeah, bit. so so they kept, they kept it going. Uh, on brand, then, as we would say. Yeah, it's very, well, speaking of on brand, uh, Riggs presented Billie Jean King with a giant sugar daddy lollipop. And Billie Jean King gave Bobby Riggs a squealing piglet because he was a chauvinist pig. Well, the spectacle was finally over after a lot of hoo and frou-frah, and the match was able to begin. Thanks for spelling out the metaphor for us, Sean. Yeah, no, no problem. No problem. <laughs> was <laughs> was uh, was this whole thing uh, organized by the uh, the WCW? Was this? No, the like w- a- <laughs> it was. It actually, yeah. Uh, some of the later, like the retrospective articles, have pointed out it's like it was like tennis done by the WWF. So, huh. gosh, now. It, <laughs> at first, if it, as- if they'd been able to do pay per view, they would have done it. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, now, at first, when the match started, it seems like uh, it seemed like Riggs was right. Uh, the first set, King fell behind 3-2 when Riggs broke her serve. In a 2015 interview, King said that most people don't remember that she was initially behind in the first set, and it looked bad for her in the early going. At this point, she realized that she had to win, given the importance of the match, and broke right back and again in the 10th game to close out the set. 
She had learned from Court's loss and was ready for Riggs' tricky, sneaky game. Rather than playing her own usual aggressive game, King mostly stayed at the baseline, easily handling Riggs's lobs and soft shots, making him cover the entire court as she ran him from side to side and beat him at his own defensive style of play. After quickly failing from the baseline where he'd intended to play, Riggs dropped his comedic effect and showed a more serious demeanor as he was now forced to change to a serve and volley game. He took off the sugar daddy jacket, and from that point, he kept falling further and further behind. He began to look more and more like a tired, winded old man who just couldn't keep up with the dynamic, determined young woman who faced him. King beat him in straight sets, 6-4, 6-3, and 6-3. When she finally won, the Astrodome erupted in cheers for Billie Jean. The New York Times article, which we talked about, compared the match to another famed prize match of a previous decade. Quote, It was Liston versus Ali all over again. Those supposedly invincible aging champion against the younger, swifter, more aggressive challenger. And like Liston, Riggs found out that the reputation carries you only so far. Also like Liston, and in keeping with the heavyweight prize fight atmosphere, there was Riggs, looking like a thoroughly beaten old man, prattling about a rematch. If she'd beat me one, two, and one, I'd say the gals are better, blared Riggs, but I think that it's close enough that, like Frazier and Ali, I want a rematch. Well, after the match, there was a range of reaction to the spectacle. King said that upon shaking her hand after the match, Riggs told her, I really underestimated you. And friends said that he retreated to his hotel room devastated and didn't emerge for several hours. Later, he is quoted as saying, quote, this was the worst thing in the world I've ever done. Now, King refused to grant a rematch and Riggs considered suing her because the contract specified there would be one. But he ended up dropping the matter. A few months later, Riggs and King appeared on the TV show The Odd Couple, spoofing their match. Jack Kramer seemed to speak for the tennis establishment, stating, Billie Jean beat him fair and square. A lot of men, especially around our age, were so stunned when he lost that they figured he must have tanked. However, he continued, I don't think Billie Jean played all that well. She hit a lot of short balls, which Bobby could have taken advantage of had he been in shape. I would never take anything away from Billie Jean because she was smart enough to prepare herself properly, but it might have been different if Riggs hadn't kept running around. It was more than one woman who took care of Bobby Riggs in Houston. I'm going to back in a couple of minutes, yeah, but... <laughs> what, but a com- you know. what a compl assault. What a perfect right. compl assault. <laughs> oh, boy. It's like, I'm, I'm not going to take anything away from her, but... Uh, I'm just yeah. saying... The yeah. lady, yeah. but 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 to be fair, a lot of his contemporaries were like, no, no, Bobby, Bobby tanked it. He he intentionally did that. There's no way. There's still no way she could have done. So at least he gave it that. Like she did win. She won the match. The match itself was of tremendous consequence for women's sports in America. King viewed the match as more than just a publicity stunt, feeling that her victory was important for both women's tennis and for the women's liberation movement as a whole. She later wrote, "Quote." I thought it would set us back 50 years if I didn't win that match. It would ruin the women's tour and affect all women's self-esteem. She believed that she had a destiny to work for gender equality in sports. In a twist, King and Riggs actually remained close friends until his death in 1995. King said she spoke to Riggs the day before he died, and they said, I love you to each other. After the match and for the rest of his life, Riggs became an outspoken supporter of the equality of women in sports and in life. So... At least one person's perspective was changed. 
<laughs> and that's where the story ends. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is just another great Texas moment. This isn't really about Texans, but it's about where Texas was really a showcase. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. For, a, for I mean, I mean, where event. else could some? Yeah, I mean, where else could something like this take place but the Astrodome? Well, well oh, the yeah. best part is, is, you know, we talked about this too when we talked about um, the University of of Houston. There's these championship games, and there's this picture we'd posted of you know a tiny basketball court in the middle of the Astrodome and and it's you have to understand for those who've maybe never been there or seen too many pictures it's it's circular with a giant field in the middle of it and you know it's far greater than the dimensions of say a tennis or basketball court so when you do these events you're you really are like watching ants playing in a greenhouse Yeah, yeah exactly um, I, it's interesting to me because what I see in my head uh, in the description of that tennis match is, uh, in my mind, it's very much like the uh, the final match in uh, Rocky IV, where uh, yeah. it starts yeah. out uh, Ivan Drago is dominating, and then uh, you know Rocky comes back and 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 wins in the end. So <laughs> in this in this analogy, of course, Billie Jean King is Rocky. So yes, to well, spell it all out. Like the pig. Uh, what I what I love is that again in that New York Times article they talked about that just a few yards away uh, you could buy Texas barbecue uh, slabs of Texas barbecue just not far away from where the tennis match was occurring. So, like I just love the descriptions of Houston of of this the, the cougar the cougar dancers and the the you know this the just the bigness of Texas. You know you just what I picture is. I, I do picture that that UCLA uh, University Houston basketball game. I also kind of picture the that scene in the right stuff where where the astronauts are brought in and LBJ is saying, well, "These are your astronauts," and you know it's like, "Oh wow, there's this enormous spectacle going on," and 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 uh, I can just I I kind of imagine that as well. The interesting thing is that so one of the reasons why we talked about this is a recent movie came out starring uh, uh, Steve Carell and uh, Emma Stone uh, called The Battle of the Sexes. Uh, it came out recently in the theaters, and many of the scenes uh, from the match were actually filmed uh, in the Astrodome because the Astrodome, of course, is still there. So they were able to stage, restage that match. They didn't use another arena. They actually filmed a number of things in in the Astrodome to uh, to so it didn't have to have a double it played itself so there you go ain't, ain't nothing like the real thing nope nothing at all gotta love it gotta love it you know um it's interesting too like that this this was really uh, a critical thing you know and Sean and I talked about this a little bit offline I think before the fact that you know this wasn't just about well, are men better than women? It was really the fact that there were female athletes who were working just as hard. Like they weren't given scholarships. They weren't given mm-hmm. opportunities. They weren't, the prizes weren't even close to any kind of parity uh, for what was going on. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like the, the 78 cents on the dollar kind of a thing. It was, you know, no cents on the dollar. It was ten cents on the dollar. Yeah, it was just it was a ridiculous kind of a thing, and they were so they were saying, you know, you take it seriously, and uh, and then of course you know you enter somebody 
like Riggs, who's just an absolute character as you get into him. So I think they, they well cast him in Steve Carell. Just to, let's get a guy to go over the top. So looking forward well, to seeing that film. This really was a uh, this really was one of the high high eras of tennis, you know, because you had, you know, you had your your guys, uh, you had your guy tennis players, you had Ely and Astasi, and you had Chuck Connors, but you you really for the first time did indeed have some win, women tennis players that were really bringing in bringing attention to the sport. So you had Billie Jean King, uh, you also had Chris Everett, who was a major major star, and actually. Uh, they said that uh, if Bobby Riggs had beaten Billie Jean King, the next person who's going to challenge was Chris Everett, and they were going to play her on clay because she was a she she dominated the French Open. So um, you know you had these these young dynamic women tennis players as well that were getting attention, and that was what Billie Jean King was really trying to to shine a light on. As you said, you know you had you had these women who were working really hard and were getting a lot of. Uh, uh, bringing in the ratings, but they weren't getting the benefit from it, like like the Ilya Nastasi, like the, the like the Chuck Connors, like the Bobby Riggs had in a previous generation. So that's that's something that that this really did show shine a light on. She she won a hundred thousand dollar purse. You know, she walked away with a ton of money. She won a bunch of sponsorships out of it. She got deals out of it afterwards. So this really did elevate women's women's athletics in general at this at this era. So kudos to you guys. That's the, so good. Good on Houston for being a venue for that. Well, I can only imagine, like you know, the the phone call. You want to do what? <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> we got like we got like piles of astroturf. We can make a tennis court. <laughs> <laughs> now I think uh, you think it's you know look it's and it's so cool that you like. It's such a seventies thing. Like you like they've got Shaft music playing. They've got like Cleopatra costumes. They've got it is in the Astrodome. <laughs> it's on ABC and they're talking about it in Wide World of Sports. This is one of the most seventies things we've ever talked about on this show. So um and interesting thing though is like I've asked folks at the time, and I don't know if any of you guys knew when we were talking about this, but I you know it's funny, my aunt lived in Houston at the time and, and I was like, Did you go to it did you hear about it he's like well i heard about it and everybody watched it but they didn't go to see it um but you know it was just it was a it was just kind of one of those events of of and about the time mm-hmm. well, i'm sure they had to make sure that there wasn't a oilers game that that weekend so no sir cannot uh still cannot <laughs> mess with football in texas folks yeah unless you move them to tennessee yeah we don't speak about that. We don't. We don't speak about the dark times. <laughs> no, I. Uh, I would be curious if. So, if you, if anybody out there has a, a nice personal connection to the story, you know, why not uh, call your favorite Texas podcast? Shoot us a Twitter. Yeah. Were, you, were you there? Did you see it? Yeah, it would be really interesting to hear like the the first person accounts of somebody who was actually on the ground and got to see uh, what what it was like so we're looking for you fan of the podcast give us a call and then one last twist you know in a mod- there's been attempts at a modern battle of the sexes and years ago John McEnroe had shot his mouth off about uh, the Williams sisters and just said some 
quite disparaging oh, things. And and yeah. said, I'll, I'll beat them anywhere. And, and it was just in very to their to their to showing their their grace in class that they were just like it would be. She said it would be very unfair to play such an old man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would be unfair. It would be unfair for me to beat an old man, an old man so badly in public. And yeah, so I think we, Serena. I think Serena would would just dismantle. I think any I think either of them would would just absolutely pull him apart, like yeah. pulling the wings off of a fly. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this is cool. So if you love tennis, uh, you know. And you're a Texan. You can take pride in the fact that uh, one of the greatest and most important tennis matches of all time happened here. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstaple.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast. Or go to brainstaple.com and leave us some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. You can follow us individually, too. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. If you love this show, get out there and help us out. Tell all your friends. Help them to put their podcast onto their podcast listening device or send them a link or send them to our page or tell them how great Texas is. And then leave a review on iTunes because that really helps us out to find listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.